What we're going to do this morning is we're going to continue our series looking at Acts. We started it last year, and we're looking at the wonderful power of God at work in that early church. And um, we're going to be continuing today looking um, at Acts 12. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, perhaps you'd like to turn um, to Acts 12 with me. Okay, and I'm going to read from verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four Soldiers each. That's 16 soldiers guarding one man. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Peter was kept in prison. He was guarded by 16 men, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was due to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared And a light shone in the cell. Very difficult to imagine what that must have been like for Peter as this light shone in the cell. And this angel of the Lord struck Peter on the side. I don't really know what that meant, whether he just gave him a big thud on the shoulder. But he struck him on the side and woke him up. So Peter, fast asleep, and the angel of the Lord struck him and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And as he said this, the chains fell off Peter's wrists. I mean, there's one miracle after another happening here. First of all, a visitation from the angel of the Lord, then struck on the side, woken up, and the angel of the Lord told him to get up. And as he does that, these chains fall off his wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. And Peter followed him out of the prison, but had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. I mean, you can imagine, can't you? He's half asleep, he's woken up, his chains falling off, and he's being led out of this prison by this angel. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and he went through it. Another miracle. When they'd walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. And Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches. 
and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, you can almost imagine him going, oh. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. All this was happening, and as it was happening, the church was earnestly praying for Peter. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. And she opened the door to him. No, she didn't. She was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening the door and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. And when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. They still didn't believe that Peter was standing at the door. Here they were in this room praying earnestly for Peter to be released. And they didn't believe it. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They still hadn't believed that God would do this for them. That God would release Peter, even though they were praying earnestly for him. Peter motioned with his hands for them to be quiet. You can imagine how much commotion there would have been. And he described how the Lord had brought them out of prison. I'm just going to pray, and then let's see what God has to speak to us about today. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your wonderful spirit that is here with us now. I thank you for this wonderful testimony of how you rescued Peter from prison. I just pray now, God, speak to our hearts that we would hear your voice, that we would hear you speaking, that we would be sensitive to your spirit and that we would act on your word, Lord, as you speak to each one of us today, that we would be instruments in your hands outworking your purposes for our lives. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Now... Today, I want to draw out three things from this passage, just three things. And those three things, I want to say in three words. The first is power, the second is prayer, and the third is provision. I'm not normally very good at coming up with three points that have the same letter at the beginning. So I feel quite proud of myself for coming up with three things today that you can take away and you can talk over lunch about these three things. And hopefully you'll remember them because they all begin with the same letter. Power, prayer, and provision. I mean, the last one could have been praise, actually. But no, provision is what we're going with today. Power that is available to each one of us who are followers of Jesus. Power that was available that enabled Peter to get out of prison. Prayer. As we can see in this passage, prayer makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference for every single one of us. 
prayer enabled Peter to escape from prison. And finally, provision. God providing in this situation. And God provides for every single one of us in every single situation that we are experiencing today. Power, prayer, and provision. Now, in this particular chapter, um, the early church is, is caught in another period of persecution. And this time, it's from King Herod. And this King Herod is the great-grandson of Herod the Great. And he could see that it was really helpful in pleasing the Jews to persecute this new group, if you like, of Christ followers. James had already been murdered by, by this Herod in the hands of this king. And we can presume that Herod is planning to do the same for Peter as soon as the Passover was over. So Peter's situation seems extremely bleak. Extremely bleak. That's why the disciples were praying, but you get the sort of feeling that, well, you know, actually, is God really going to rescue Peter, who is in such a difficult situation? There are 16 guards guarding this one man. The situation is pretty hopeless. You know, it seems like the church is powerless against the forces, against the power of Herod. In this particular age, the Roman king was powerful. The church seems powerless against this sort of, if you like, the tidal wave of the king's power, of the political power of the Roman government, of the religious opposition of the Jewish Sadducees, the Pharisees. Now, I don't know about you, but this sounds quite familiar to the days that we're living in today. It seems like the powers at work seem so great. How can the, work, and how can the church... Stand against the power that is at work in the world around us. You know, just last month, um, there was a bill that was heard in Parliament to completely decriminalize abortion. And that is frightening. That, you know, even up to the birth, that babies will be allowed to be aborted. And this is going through Parliament at the moment. That the right of the mother is greater than the rights of the unborn child. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, there was a man who drives into Parliament with the aim of causing as much harm and destruction as possible, whatever the cost. You know, it's, it's pretty horrid to see what's going on in the world around us, even in our own nation. Now, these are massive things. It seems that there is a power and a force at work that seems too great to overcome. There's a lot of pain and hurt in the world, in our communities, even in the street next to this hall, 
there would be people who were hurting. I spoke to a man on the street yesterday who was in a lot of pain and was lot, and there's a lot of bitterness towards our government because they don't seem to be doing anything for a very good friend of his. What can we do as the church? What did the church do when Peter was in prison? They prayed. But what is available to each one of us is power. We have a God who has overcome the world. We have a hope that is greater than all these things that we hear of and that we see are going on in the world. Jesus is the one in whom we find hope. Jesus is the one who can help us find a confidence that it won't always be like this. Jesus has come to overcome the world, and he has overcome the world as, we, as he died on the cross and is risen again. He is the victorious one. He is the one who has saved each and every one of us, and we can know a victory in him. He has the power to change these and every situation that we hear about. When we feel broken, when we feel desperate, we need to look to Jesus. It's in Jesus that we find hope. It's in Jesus that we find the victory over the things of the world. However desperate, however low, however dark it seems, the light of Jesus will penetrate the darkness. Do you believe that? Jesus heals, Jesus restores, and Jesus sets people free. We're all on the journey of experiencing more of the hope that's found in Jesus. Do you ever feel powerless to change situations or that you can't do anything against the might of the culture that surrounds you? You know, that feeling that You know, I can't change anything. You know, I'm not strong enough. Well, Jesus is. Jesus is. And the truth is, he has the power to change situations. He has that power. And the disciples, the fact that they were earnestly praying for Peter, they knew where that power came from. That it comes from God. God has the power to change the situation. It doesn't come by force. It doesn't come by us sort of forcing things to change. It comes from God. It comes from us seeking him and asking him to change situations. Asking his power to be at work. It was God that set Peter free from prison. It was the angel of the Lord that just opened his chains And he walked free. Peter walked free because of the power of God. God intervenes not with a rescue party. He didn't send the disciples into the prison to rescue Peter. God had the power to do it. But the people needed to be praying and asking God to move. It wasn't the Peter Liberation Army. It was God. 
God intervenes. And, and God intervenes in so many different ways. God is interested in the detail of our lives. You know, I'd ask you, what's your experience of God intervening? You know, when has God intervened in your life? I'm sure there are many testimonies and examples around the room of where God has really answered a prayer and God has spoken. God has, you know, taken your life in a completely different direction because he's intervened and he's changed your life situation. I think we're all the fact that we're sitting in this very room, we're all a testimony of God breaking in and intervening in our lives and showing us his grace and his love and his power. You know, throughout history, throughout the Bible, we see the power of God at work in people's lives. With Moses, for example. You know, Moses had run away. He'd killed an Egyptian. You know, he's brought up in the wonderful palace, yet he was rejected. He'd gone from living this wonderful life to living in the wilderness as a shepherd. And God broke into his life in a burning bush. Moses' life was completely changed by God getting his attention in a bush and totally speaking truth over him and drawing him back to the calling that God has put on his life. Do you know that God has called you? Do you know the things that God has called you to? He's called you to be a, a person who can declare the praises of God, to worship the glorious Father in heaven. But he's got a plan for your life that's just specifically for you. That's specifically for you. Do you know what that is? You may say, you know, but Moses, you know, he's the great Moses, the one who led the Israelites across the Red Sea. Wow, you know, that's Moses. That's not me. You know, God wouldn't appear to me in a burning bush. Maybe he wouldn't. But what God does is he loves you so much that he doesn't want to do it exactly the same way for you as he did it for Moses. You are so special and unique that he wants to reveal himself to you in a unique way that's specifically for you. What he has for you is different from Moses. His intervening power in your life is tailored just for you. It's tailored just for you. It's tailored to your personality, to your character, to who you are, that you are unique, that he's tailored his power specifically for you, and he wants to work through you and reveal himself to you. God dwells in our hearts. Praise God. And God wants to break out in different situations in his life. Do you know the intervening power of God in your life? Now, God's power is at work for this man. And I brought the book with me because I just wanted to um, share with you about Brother Yun. And if you've not heard of him, um, he was a man who, um, a Chinese man, who was put in prison for his faith. And he escaped 
from prison. And he tells the story, and it's worth a read if you've not read it. Just put your hand if you've read this book, just so I get an idea. Okay, so good half a dozen people have read it. I'd fully recommend it. I mean, it's a good 20 years old now, but the story is still the same. It's still a testimony of God's greatness and God's goodness in seeing this guy uh, released from prison. And he tells a story, and it's very similar to Peter's story as he escapes from prison. I'm just going to read a few bits to you of how this happens. It was just before 8 o'clock in the morning of the 5th of May, 1997, 20 years ago from this year, nearly to the day. To the natural mind, this time of day was the worst possible time to escape. There was normally so much activity throughout the prison, with all the guards at their posts. I shuffled out of my cell, walking towards the locked iron gate in the hallway. My mind was solely focused on obeying God. I looked straight ahead and prayed beneath my breath with every step I took. I noticed a broom leaning against the wall in the stairwell. I picked it up and continued walking with it down the stairs to the second floor. An armed guard was positioned at his desk facing the second iron gate. At that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, Go now, the God of Peter is your God. Somehow, the Lord seemed to blind that guard because he didn't see me. He was staring directly at me, yet his eyes didn't acknowledge my presence at all. I expected him to say something, but he just looked through me as if I was invisible. I walked past several guards in the yard, but nobody said a word. I strolled through the main gate of the prison, which for some strange reason was also standing ajar. You know, isn't it wonderful? You know, this is a great testimony of a man experiencing the miracle-working God that we believe in. God is a God of miracles. My heart was pounding. I was now standing on the street outside the Zungzo number one maximum security prison. I was told later nobody had ever escaped from that prison before. Immediately, a small yellow taxi pulled up next to me. I mean, what are the chances? He said, Where are you heading? I got in and replied, I need to go to my office as quickly as possible, so please drive fast. I gave the driver an address of a Christian family I knew, and we drove away from the prison. God is a God who works miracles for the big things, but also for the small things. What is it that you're asking God for today? The power of God is available to each and every one of us. What is it that you need to know God's power in and for today? Some of you know that um, Abby and I in the past have done special um, events in our home where we've invited our neighbours and we've invited people to come into our home. And we, we've done lots of them. And um, we've done mulled wine and mince pie at Christmas. We've done um, Easter egg hunts. I think at one point we had about 40 children in our back garden sort of looking for Easter. And one time it snowed, can you believe it? Easter. Not quite the weather we're having at the moment. But, you know, what is it that we need the power of God for? Do you find those things just so daunting? Would you think, I could never do that? You know, but God meets you where you're at. The power of God is available to each and every one of us, you know? And I think 
Abby and I at first, it was something that really daunted us. But over time, you get used to it. You get more confident. But it's like that first step of faith of stepping out in what God is calling you to do. What is God putting on your heart today to perhaps do for the first time? Where the power of God is available to you. You know, actually, I think it's quite fun when you step out in faith. You know, being on the high street yesterday, it's quite fun. You know, you, could, you get quite a lot of people, you know, they sort of reject you. So it's sort of, you know, if, if you struggle with rejection, it's quite hard. But, you know, to give people invitations to know that you're putting a seed of hope, of life in someone's hands, that they might respond to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's, you come away thinking, actually, you know what? That's such a blessing. I come away blessed because I think the wonderful seeds that have been sown. Can I just honor Linda? Because she was brilliant yesterday. You know, she probably gave out the most um, invites to people on the high street. You know, it's... And one of those people might come this Easter, this Sunday, and they might hear the good news and they might respond to the gospel. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful privilege to be used by God to tap in to this power source. You know, as Christians, it's like we're, we're like hardline. There's a hardwire to God. You know, we've got direct access to this massive power station and we won't get electrocuted you know, this power is available for us to tap into, to enable us to be witnesses, to be instruments in his hands, that we might see the glory of God come, that we might see the kingdom of God come, that we might see the purposes of God outworked. And God wants to use each and every one of us. Now, the power of God is not just the only thing at work in this chapter. We see the prayers coming from these early believers. We have the intervening power of God coupled with a church that's earnest in prayer. Because that, they come hand in hand. This is the powerful combination of what it means to be a Christian. The power of God combined with the prayers of the saints coming together and it packs a punch. It's almost, um, if you like, it's a different league than the power of Herod, the power of Rome, the power of the sword. The power of the church praying is in a different league. You know, with the church praise chains fall off. That's the truth. This is what happened in this story. This is the word of God. This is what happened in the early church. And it can happen today. It happened 20 years ago for Brother Yun when he just walked out of that prison. Guards didn't see him. This power is available for each one of us as we trust in the living God. As we pray together into his purposes, into the kingdom of God, the greatest weapon of the church 
is prayer. Our greatest weapon is prayer. Do you believe that? Do you pray for these things to happen? Do you pray for God to break through in a situation that you have not seen breakthrough for 20 years? Are you still praying? I am. (laughs) There are things, Lord, I pray that I'd see my family saved. You might be praying similar prayers. We have a God who answers our prayers. You know, prayer is the most important and most potent weapon that we as a Christian can wield. Prayer changes things. Speaking to God about our lives, telling him about things that are on our heart. He hears our prayers. Now let me ask you this. I wonder if perhaps what stops you praying is because you feel like this person over here, that you feel like that man who's standing in that big bubble, if you like, that you're shouting out to God, that you're pleading with God, that no matter how loud you shout, that God doesn't actually hear your prayer. Is that how you feel? Is that, is that I wonder whether that's sometimes how we feel. You know, God, I've been praying for this and You know, it just, nothing seems, you don't seem to hear me, Lord. Where are you? Where are you in this situation? I wonder if that's sometimes how you feel. And maybe that stops you from praying. I wonder whether your person that might be over here, that your your view and, and understanding of God is that, yeah, he's, he's a great big God. He's, a, he's massive. He's, he created the universe. Yeah, I, I understand that about him, but, but he's so busy. There's so much of the universe that he's looking after. I mean, goodness me, he's, he's got all the planets, all the solar systems, the, the galaxies to look after. He's got the billions of people in the world. They're all praying. He's got all those Christians praying. Gosh, my prayer, what's, what's my prayer? I wonder if that's how you feel. You know, God, you know, why would he hear my prayer? You know, he's, a, he's a, such a big God. He's got so much to look after. But I wonder whether, you know, actually, this person who's standing here. Next slide. Whose prayers go up to heaven that Jesus hears every single one of our prayers. Every single one. No matter how small. No matter how big. It talks about in Revelation that our prayers go up to heaven with the incense. In a prophetic picture of what happens to our prayers. It talks of an angel who has a golden censer, which is the, one of those things in the high church they wave, in, full of incense. So an angel with this golden censer standing at the altar with the prayers, with the incense to offer and the prayers of all God's people and bring him to this golden altar in front of the throne 
and the smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came pearls of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. This is what it says in Revelation. And Revelation is full of prophetic pictures of what actually is happening. That our prayers are going up to heaven. That we have a God who hears our prayers. A commentary uh, said this about this prophetic imagery of Jesus receiving our prayers. Would we truly be persuaded that Christ has such an office that is of an intercessor? That is of an intercessor. We talk about Jesus having lots of different names. Redeemer, he's our salvation. How much do you think of Jesus as an intercessor? Somebody that receives our prayers. How much would we be persuaded that Christ has such an office as that of an intercessor, which he now performs with deep sympathy? No prayers, thus Recommended were ever denied hearing and acceptance. These prayers, thus accepted in heaven, produced great changes upon earth. You know, Romans 8 talks about Jesus being our intercessor, praying for us, interceding for us, and our prayers go up and join with his. How do we see our prayers? The difference that each one of our prayers makes, our prayers make a significant difference to how God outworks his purposes. You know, this was the weapon that this early church was putting into practice, and it changed the situation. As this church experienced this new wave of persecution, prayer was was pretty much all they had. Except, of course, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us in our prayers. Do you sometimes feel that you have nothing, but you have the greatest weapon of all, and that is prayer? Prayer connects us to the eternal God. Prayer is like, is the super fast broadband, if you like, it keeps us connected to God. And the church in this passage were earnestly praying, earnestly seeking God. You know, earnestly for me speaks of a a sense of urgency, a sense of persistence, a sense of knowing that that's where the power comes from, that that's connecting them with the God of heaven, a steadfastness, a relentless praying to God. Isn't it good that When we pray, God changes things. God changes things. I just want to share one um, last thing with you, um, and it's another book. (laughs) Um, 
It's called Dirty Glory. And this is a more recent book. This isn't 20 years old. This has been released last year. And, and has anybody read this? Just, I just want to see if anybody's read this book. Okay, less people. Okay, it's, it's a new book. And I'd fully recommend it. Um, because Pete Gregg is a gentleman who um, started 24-7 prayer. And this is, um, he's written another book before this one. But this one tells a story, really, of how the 24-7 prayer really got started. And it's full of testimonies. It's full of faith-building um, testimony of, of why prayer makes a difference and how prayer makes a difference. So I'd fully recommend buying it. And I'm pretty much, well, you can see what I'm up to in the book. Um, but I just find it so stirring when it comes to prayer. And he says this about prayer. The Bible is clear that we are engaged in a vicious spiritual battle in which God purposes and contested constantly. Prayer in which we harness our wills with God's will to resist Satan's will is our greatest weapon of defense as well as attack. People sometimes ask why God requires us to pray, as if it was merely a form of relentless begging. Please, 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 in the tone of a child beseeching his father for a treat, or a football fan wishing like mad for a goal in the final minute. But to pray is not to plead from the sidelines. It is to invade the field of play. I love that phrase. In prayer, we join the team, actively shaping the outcome of the match, challenging and occasionally outplaying an aggressive opponent. Martin Luther went so far as to describe prayer as a constant, violent action of the spirit that it is lifted up to God as a ship is driven upward against the power of the storm. The truth is, there are terrible evils that will only be restrained and wonderful blessings that will only be unlocked by our prayers. So power comes from God and Him alone. And God is calling us to pray. There is a battle raging above our heads and it's a battle for the heart's of people, people to know and receive Christ, people to know God's love and grace. There is a grace and a goodness and a love that comes from God, and he wants people to experience it and know it. He wants us to pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, and it's coming. God's kingdom is here and it's coming. The one weapon of the church that will enable us to break the power of the world is prayer. How will you use this weapon that God places in your hands today? How will you use the weapon of prayer? And finally, Power, prayer, and the last one is provision. 
So God provides. God provides. God is a God who not only hears our prayers, but he acts on them. He acts on them. God is a God who provides. He provided for Peter. Peter escaped from prison. What a wonderful provision. God provided for Brother Yun as he escaped from prison. God provides for each one of us as we pray and look to him. In the Old Testament, one of the names for God is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And that specifically was, um, was when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. And the wonderful thing is that God saw Abraham's faith and he provided an alternative. God provided. But it was as Abraham stepped out in faith and trusted God. We have to step out in faith. God can only provide if we take those steps towards him. But God wants us to know that he is with us and he will provide. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't desert us. He, as we step out in faith, he doesn't go, oh, well, sorry. He comes alongside us. You know, there's a, God is good. He's so for you. He has so much for you. Stepping out in faith is wonderful. There's joy that comes as we step out in faith. Let's be a people that trust in God and his intervening power. He, he intervenes when we take those steps. He comes in power when we take those steps. And let's be a people that pray into every situation so that we can see his testimony at work in our lives, no matter how large or small. And let's be a people who declare God's provision, who speak of his works and his provision, no matter how small. Hallelujah. You know, I think that there's something happening very significantly in this nation at this moment in time. You know, I think that Christians are, are praying more for God to do things. And, you know, I know that the churches in Sutton, we pray regularly for this town. There were more churches planted here the last, here the last few years than, than I think the last 30 years. I mean, we've got lots of churches coming into Sutton. God is doing something in this town, in this nation. And I think he's calling us to pray. You know, as um, New Frontiers, we've got a day of prayer where all the leaders across all the spheres, spheres? spheres are coming together on the 5th of July to pray for this nation. And this is the first time we've, done, we've gathered together since the church, since the um, New Frontiers became lots of different spheres. So we've had lots more impact in the nations. But it's wonderful that we're gathering together to pray specifically for this nation. God is on the move. And my encouragement, do you want to be part of that? 
Do you want to be part of what God's doing? And my encouragement as well is maybe step of faith inviting one person to the event at the Arsenal football ground. Even if Arsenal is your worst football team, then you can invite somebody along. It'd be wonderful to take that step of faith that that person might say yes and come in and hear the good news and respond to the gospel. Wouldn't that be great? A friend that you've been praying for, for to come to know Christ. A family member. 8th of July. If you want one of those invites, do let us know. We can, you can give them a personal invite. I, I've bought two tickets already as a step of faith to take somebody. I think it'd just be a fun event to go to, to be honest. But let's be thinking about how we can step out in faith to see the good news of God. Okay. What I want us to do um, now is, 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 I'm going to finish there, but I, I just have two pictures I felt, um, actually, can the band come up while I just um, share these two pictures during the worship? So the first one was, um, was of two separate holes in the ground. One was like um, a pit, if you like. And what often happens in pits, in some places around the world, is pits are dug so that people can just throw the rubbish in. And it just accumulates. And then when it's full, they cover it over and dig another pit. And I just felt like maybe somebody here that just feels that their life is just this pit that's been full of rubbish. It's just been piled, loads of rubbish has been piled in. And it's just very difficult to find the wood for the trees because it's just full of, full of rubbish. And I had a picture of another hole in the ground. And this hole was full of water. And I just sensed like God wants to change this pit of rubbish to be a well of water that he wants to use a jet wash if you want and clean out all of the rubbish and to create this beautiful well of water that you would be a resource and a strength and you would be you'd have the great sense of knowledge and experience of God okay that's the first one and then the second one was um was just I just felt like there was somebody here that was um, just full of cobwebs, or they, they were covered in cobwebs. And God wants to, just the wind of God, God sometimes is described as a, a wind. Just the wind of God just wants to blow away those cobwebs that you will not feel like, you, perhaps you've been standing in this, feel like you've been in the same place for such a long time. And actually, God wants to blow away those cobwebs that you might find freedom just to move around and be the person that God's called you to.